I got 75 to give 80. 75 to give 80. 80, 80, 80. Last call. Okay, there's cameos, there's guest cameos, there's featured cameos, and then there's this. I'm coming on at the beginning because Fez is done with every game. I was a little late, except one. So we're going to say hi now, tell you Fez had it covered. And next week, and what I would say is this, I think that what we need to do that can improve this is zero in on when there's interesting moves and the other time, and really spend some time on them. What's, what are we learning? Mm-hmm. And... With the other games, we just are perfunctory in that, hey, here's the open, here's what happened here, and just kind of be very um, functional with it. And I think that combination will work. But, Fez, to me, you're the best in the game at reading the market. And what I wanted to build this show around is that. And I think that we've been trying to find that. And I think we've got an idea where next week, and again, I think there's a lot of good stuff on this. And last week we were spectacularly successful so. nailing the Seattle and the New England games before the you know the lines moved. Yeah. Now, did you make any line move predictions? I did. Okay. So what are they? So well, one, no, we'll save them. I guess we'll save them. Yeah, but how many there. was there? There was one strong one. One strong one. All right. Yes. Well, hey, listen. And then what I'll be is back at the very end. I'm going to bookend this baby because we got one more game to go. It's Monday Night Football. Here it goes. Listen up. Thursday night football, the Saints visit the Cardinals. This line was two and a half throughout the look-ahead period. Two Cardinals favored at open. Now Cardinals only favored by one and a half versus the Saints. Yeah, it doesn't look like we're sure about the New Orleans quarterback. Not sure if it's going to be Winston, who is questionable. I don't know if it really matters, frankly. I tell you this, I make these two teams equal in my ratings and not much of a difference between a two and a one and a half, but where it does make a big difference is in the teaser market. And with this, I know we normally prefer the home team, but with this spread just trickling down slightly, I think if you like teasers, it's time to fire right now and lock in the plus twos, the plus one and a halves, up to the plus eights on your teaser. Quick uh Note on teasers, the rules vary from shop to shop. The rules have gotten worse and worse. Used to be if you had a loss and a tie or a win and a tie, that was considered to be a tie and a teaser. Now a whole bunch of shops outside of Vegas are grading any tie as being a loss. Given that's the case on your teasers, I would strongly encourage you to look to try to always tease to the half-point option, meaning don't tease to plus eight. Get it to plus eight and a half wherever possible, even if you have to play a extra VIG and play a six and a half or a seven-point teaser versus a six-point teaser. I know I'm doing more and more of that any place outside of Vegas if I have to go ahead and tease a game. Sounds like this might have come up recently. Uh, it absolutely did with my Green Bay Packers losing teaser. The Packers lose every teaser, seemingly, but I had them <laughs> tease to Kansas City two weeks ago from minus seven to minus one. No problem. Nevada, even though Green Bay lost, Kansas City won by one, amazingly, after you know both teams won for two late in the year in the game. Um, and I got a refund, but I found out from a lot of my clients that outside of Vegas, even at the same uh, shops, specifically Caesars William Hill. If you bet this on Caesars William Hill in New Hampshire or Virginia or Pennsylvania, wherever they're open, New Jersey, it is a loss on that teaser. If you go 0-1-1, you're still grandfathered in with the old rules here in Nevada. 0-1-1 is still a push. Next up, Detroit visits the Cowboys. Absolutely no movement in this line. Cowboys were minus 7 in the summer. 
minus seven in the look ahead, and they are now minus seven hosting the Lions. All right, now this is fascinating because I would say it's likely Dak is back. Would you go that far, McKenzie? Yes. So Dallas has massively exceeded expectations, and Detroit, same old Lions, they just stink. And yet here we sit, and the line is seven, what the line was during the summer, which doesn't make any sense to me. I make the game nine and a half. Now, let me ask you this. You've done, pregame.com's done some yeoman's research under your direction, McKenzie. Well, under RJ's direction, you're doing the execution. But um, teams off of a bye that are on the road catching points, that's like the sweet spot for the bye teams. Am I correct? Yes. The entire benefit that we observe from the bye goes to the road team. If you look at home teams off a bye, no difference. You wouldn't see any difference in the data. But if you look at road teams off a bye, very, very profitable subset so far in history. So the power ratings scream Dallas and the buy trend screams Detroit. Act accordingly. Certainly Dallas is a uh, a teaser candidate from seven down to a half because um, I think it should be higher than seven. One thing to be cautious with, the, the fallen star, when he returns, oftentimes the entire team, they exhale. Whew. Got through that stretch okay, and oftentimes this happens in the NBA. Teams don't play as well when their star comes back that first game back. Part of it, too, is just a timing issue, and frankly, you know, a lot of other players got involved, and now maybe they're not as involved in basketball, but that doesn't apply here with a quarterback change. But it does change, you know, who's getting targeted and the timing and the throws, the cadence, et cetera, and that is a factor. Um, what do you think, worth maybe one point to the, the first game back for a quarterback, McKenzie? Yes, that is what you call the Patrick Hewing theory in the NBA where guys kind of just let down when they have the superstar back. I'd say that's worth a point, sure. All right, next game. The next game, the New York Giants in the summer were favored at Jacksonville. Look ahead line, the Jags hosting the Giants were minus three. That's where we are now. Jaguars minus three hosting the Giants. I should mention this opened at two and a half. All right, I'm, I'm going to have to push the green button on that. I do not believe the New York Giants were favored at Jacksonville during the summer. I'll get my crack research team on that to confirm, but... Could have been a flip sign either way. It was about I, one and a half. I think we got a, I, I think we got a flip sign. Bottom line, the season win number on both these teams was comparable. And Jacksonville doesn't have much of a home field, but I'm showing that um, the yeah Jacksonville a small favorite, not important, um, except for the fact that if Jacksonville was a slight favorite, um, it would be even dramatic if they were an underdog. Now the five and one New York Giants, well they're styling out there. Back-to-back upset wins, doing great. Jacksonville, eh, meh. Same old Jags, maybe two and four. But what's this? The Jaguars are not just at Pickham. The Jags are minus three. So uh, back-to-back comeback victories for the Giants. Jacksonville lets one get away that um, they really should have certainly covered the plus two and a half. I don't know if they should have won outright. They had every opportunity to. So um, it's interesting how... I'm surprised that this went all the way to three, but this is a case where I think the market is telling you who's going to win this game. Jacksonville needing the game like blood. Giants, not so much. But what a curious line, right, McKenzie? Definitely. Is this one where five and one Giants? I feel like five years ago, we wouldn't have seen this move from two and a half to three. Money against the team that's won 83% of their games. What do you make of that? 
Uh, I'm just happy that 5-6, you can do the 83.3%. So um, absolutely, I think three is correct. And this is one where would love to lay two and a half, wouldn't mind taking three and a half. Yep, should be a close game. Jacksonville should find a way to win. In the summer, the Titans were appeared to be the inferior team to the Colts. They were minus one in the look-ahead period. They were minus two at home hosting the Colts. Now they're minus three, Titans. Off a bye, hosting the Colts. So I'm not sure who the better team is. I've got them both rated equally. While the Titans are off a bye, on your bye research, the, if you're a bye team and you're home and you're favored, that bye doesn't help very much, correct? No, the market gives you a bump, but the data says it should not. No improvement for home teams off a of bye. You know, I'm going to share. I'm going to do a line forecast on this. I think if you like Indy, you can still get plus three. I would fire on the Colts plus three. A couple reasons why I think the threes aren't going to last. Two major reasons. One, these teams just played a few weeks back. And Indy lost to Tennessee, won the stats, but lost the game. And I've seen this trend before between comparable teams. You beat me in my crib. I return the favor for comparable teams. I beat you in your place. So I would be surprised if Indy doesn't come up with a maximum effort, even though it is a bad spot off a close divisional win and having to play another divisional game. Further, if you look at the marketplace, although there's more threes than two and a halfs right now, the only two and a half that really matters is the South Point, because at the South Point, they're dealing a two and a half where you can play minus two and a half, lay a dollar ten right now on Tennessee. So the South Point is saying, we either deal two and a half or three. That's our only two options. We're not letting you have the plus three. You can have all the minus two and a half you want. And it's been two and a half, frankly, for like the last six or seven hours. So if um, somebody wanted to and was motivated, they could have just pounded as much Tennessee minus two and a half as they wanted. That's telling me two and a half is the correct line and three is the wrong line. And I like the Indy plus three. And in fact, I will be very surprised before I go to sleep if I don't give this out to my clients. Now that is an excellent analysis using different books to tell you what's going on you can only get that here on the market report podcast all right next game the Bengals hosting the falcons and the look ahead the Bengals minus 10 only minus seven in the look ahead period now after the world open it's minus six here recording monday night Bengals hosting the Falcons. So summer was minus 10, right, with Bengals? Yes. And then minus 7 on the look ahead. Yes. And uh, by the way, if anyone who listened last week, we made a strong case for RJ and myself that Seattle plus 3, bargain. Patriots plus 3, bargain. What happened to those threes uh, the day after we discussed that, McKenzie? I was looking around game day. It seemed like they were like two... One and a half. I couldn't find any threes on game day. Yeah, and the threes disappeared pretty much by midweek. By Wednesday, they were gone. I know in our contest, people are like, well, why didn't you play those teams in your contest, Fez? Because the line was two and a half by then. And really, the line was 2.6 by then. But So what uh, you're saying is they should listen each and every week early on. It's a lot easier to pick winners and, and forecast line moves on a Monday than on a Friday. Having said that, I don't know what to do with this Falcon team. So power rating-wise, I make it 6.5, which means I should look towards the Bengals minus 6. Having said that, money poured in on the Atlanta Falcons against the 49ers. Despite I know the 49ers were injured, but this was the home run spot for the Niners that they've been so good at back-to-back on the East Coast. Market says, we don't care. We like the Falcons. Is it the sharp guys betting it? Yes. Is it the public maybe betting it? Possibly. Falcons now undefeated against the spread 6-0, and correct, McKenzie? 
Indeed, the only team to be so. So because of that, you may well see the public starting to gravitate to it. And why not? Marcus Mariota has gone from the league's one of the league's best backups to one of the league's better quarterbacks. Specifically, I have where do I have him? I have him tied for 21st, half a point worse than an average quarterback. He's a scant half point away from being the number 15 quarterback. Does that sound right to you? Number one QBR last week with a bullet. 95. Just took our hearts out as 49ers fans. Excellent performance. If you look at our QBR PFF weighted average, he's 10th in the league. Started out as 30th. So, you know, priors, current date, I think 20th is about right. If you bet incompletions over for Mariota, you were not close. I think he. I think he had one. So he was. Oh, he was perfect for much of that game. By the way, I think Kenny Anderson once completed twenty straight passes. Former Cincinnati Bengal. Yes. By the way, the Falcons. I do. We do this for pregame.com. Look at line movements. If you take out injuries, so the 49ers went from four and a half to three and a half, all due to injuries. We ignore that. Still, the Falcons from the world open to the close, the second most bet on team along with the Philadelphia Eagles all year. Falcons season win number four and a half. Um, that has left the <laughs> uh, the station, if, if you will, and Falcons looking like um, I've got them rated as a minus three team. I got to I got to tell you um, that might be too. I might have them under rated. I might have to move them up even more. I'm going to go ahead and take a look at that next game. The Baltimore Ravens hosting the Cleveland Browns. This was minus five and a half for the Ravens for the look ahead period. Open six. Now, Ravens minus seven. Lay a little vig hosting the Browns. Yeah, and I make it six and a half. And, you know, the Browns were in a bad spot. Jacoby Brissett against New England. And so I'm not surprised the Browns lost. I am surprised that they got beat so soundly. I'm also surprised Chubb did not get much in the way of usage at all. And it was a close game at halftime. So they can't just use the excuse that they were down double digits the entire way. Um, divisional teams tend to do better against Baltimore because they've seen Lamar Jackson and that um, somewhat unique offense. I really don't have any dog in the fight, nor do I really have any forecast in terms of which way this line will go. I can tell you this, if it did get to seven, my gut would say, you know, the Browns plus seven would be the way to go. So maybe I will forecast this line drops more likely to go down to six than to go up to seven. Would you concur, McKenzie? Yes, as much as Browns looked bad, I don't think there's enough love for the Ravens in the market to push this above a touchdown. Next game, we're looking at the Tampa Bay Bucks visiting the Carolina Panthers. Obviously, Carolina Panthers have a new coach. They were nine and a half. The Bucks were favored on the road in the look-ahead period. Now, Bucks minus 10 at Carolina. So it's interesting, and some 10 and abs are starting to pop up, and this is this is bet against versus bet against, and the market is saying... Carolina is the stronger bet against. I believe that they're reacting to not only if you missed it, the Rams were awful against Carolina. Just looked awful. And Carolina got a defensive touchdown, still couldn't cover because Carolina was worse. And Christian McCaffrey was the entire offense as Robbie Anderson was fighting with his wide receivers coach. And he's been sent packing to the Arizona Cardinals, um, Steve Wilkes, not happy with Robbie Anderson. The organization, probably not happy. You know, it's interesting. Maybe the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Robbie Anderson, probably happy to leave Carolina. Mm, maybe not so much to go to Arizona. There were there were greener pastures, but hey, um, any place right now is better than Carolina. And in fact, Christian McCaffrey made a spectacular play to 
add 50 yards to the offensive punch for Carolina. They got like 200 yards and 150 of it was from McCaffrey. This is an absolute dead team. I believe, might they be on their fifth string quarterback? I've lost track. So <laughs> yes. PJ Walker is now um, injured. And is it, is it Eason now is the, is, is possibly going to be the quarterback? Might Baker return? Any update in yeah. terms of what's going on? Philip Walker had a neck injury, possible concussion, had to leave the game. So his six QBR performance went aside. Obviously, Sam Darnold not ready yet. Baker Mayfield out. Fourth string quarterback Jacob Eason took that six QBR and said, I'll do you better. A one QBR. Wow. Pretty, pretty, uh, Slim pickings at the quarterback position in the, for the Panthers. Are they are they third and fourth or fourth and fifth? Don't they have? Isn't a Corral was, was with them? That's also? true. Before the season, Matt Corral out for the season with plantar fasciitis. So that's true. Fifth string quarterback Jacob Eason. Good point. When does plantar fasciitis knock somebody out for the year? Huh. Hmm. Maybe put a call in there. It might be a Liz Frank injury. I might have those two things messed <laughs> up in my head. There you. Good point. <laughs> they, there you go. I was, was going to say it's it's like Captain Freedom to wardrobe. We need you, Matt Corral. Um, <laughs> next game. The Green Bay Packers are still favored, but by less, visiting the Commanders. So in the summer, this was Packers minus three and a half. Commanders disappointing. Packers were minus six in the opening of the look ahead. Now minus five at Washington. Yeah, and uh, Green Bay off. Back-to-back, straight-up losses as touchdown favorites, seven-point favorites. This um, this spread is telling you that um, Washington is no good. I tell you this, I think the quarterback change, they're going to be going with Heineke. Yes, get out your Heinekens. Um, tonight, let it be Mullen. What is it? Tonight, let it be Mullen. What's that beer that there was the commercial? Lowenstein. Tonight, let it be Lowenbrow. Not Lowenstein. He played for Baltimore. Um, <laughs> but no, tonight let it be Heineken. And I don't think that there's any real drop off uh, Heineke versus the play that they have gotten from Carson Wentz. I don't think that that's impacting this line at all. Um, what was interesting is Washington did get the win against the Bears. If you watch the game, though, Washington was gifted that game. The Bears self destructing in the red zone and Washington's touchdown drive, game winner, six yards. And even the final play, how apropos the Bears drop the touchdown pass a quarter yard into the end zone, and then they catch it half a yard out of the end zone. I still think dude was out of bounds. Wouldn't have counted regardless. Bottom line is bet against Green Bay, bet against Washington right now. And Washington, I don't want to give them anything for home field whatsoever. I am staying far away. It's where I make the number. It is in El Paso. Next game, both of these teams are awful by. The Raiders hosting the Texans. The Raiders were eight-point favorites in the summer. In the look-ahead, they were seven, and we know there was no movement because both teams were off a bye. Remain seven, Raiders hosting the Texans. Looks like the market is really embracing this you know, road team, catching points off the bye. Another game where I make the game eight and a half with my power ratings, and it's sitting on seven. So the feeling is that this buy is going to benefit the Houston Texans more and certainly being priced in. So the Raiders are cheap. The Raiders teaser is cheap. The Raiders are a fine one and four team. In fact, they're not just better than the New York Giants. They're considerably better in my ratings. I have the Raiders, in fact, rated one point better than an average team. I bump all the buy teams by half a point um, for getting uh, healthier and the like. But um, kind of shocking to me that this line is only seven. But again, it looks like the, the marketplace is well aware that these road dogs off the buy are dynamite, right? Raiders 
at the Giants, or actually Raiders versus the Giants on a neutral. I know what your power ratings say, but considering that the Giants are 5-1 and one and the market tends to like that, we would think, what do you think this would be on the neutral? Because a lot of people would say, Giants, not as good as the Raiders. That's crazy. What do you think they would be on a neutral? I know the Raiders would be favored. I don't know. I think two, minus two. Where would the market bet if the game was like in, you know, Mexico City? Interesting. I'll be on the Raiders personally. Next up, Kansas City Chiefs at the San Francisco 49ers. This was one. Chiefs favored on the road in the summer, moved up to one and a half. In the look-ahead period, the Chiefs at the World Open were minus two and a half, now minus three at San Francisco. So this is a really fascinating game in that we've got arguably bad spot versus bad spot. we got the Niners coming home, and as good as they've been on that second leg of the East Coast trip, and they've been dynamite, frankly, when they play back-to-back games back East. Um, I know they were lousy against Atlanta, but before that, they were 8-1, and one, so now they're 8-2 and two in that spot. But come home... After those two games, 0-4 against the spread with some ugly performances, right, McKenzie? Yes, Green Bay Packers last year, very, very poor start. Um, before that, I remember a different loss to the Steelers back in the day. Yeah, it, it's been a couple of uh, memorable uh, performances from the 49ers coming home, and now we can't afford that against arguably a top-three team in the league. I remember that Steeler game. That was the 24-20. They, the Niners were laying 7.5. They won the game. They didn't come close to covering because they turned it over sloppy game like five times, right? Yes. I remember that game. Yes. Uh, as far as Kansas City, so we'd look towards Kansas City. Well, not so fast, my friend. They just had the battle with Buffalo, came down to the final seconds, Sunday night football game, and boom, now Kansas City's got a short week, fly all the way across the country and play in the Bay Area. So that's not a good spot for them uh, because of that. I think I've got to go ahead and um, reasons to bet against both teams. I think this line stays exactly three. I don't see any movement off the three. Speaking of Sunday night football for this week, week seven, Sunday night football, the Dolphins hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers in the look ahead. Dolphins minus four and a half. I'm sorry. In the summer, the Dolphins were minus four and a half, minus seven in the look ahead period. World Open was minus six and a half. But now, Monday afternoon, back up to Dolphins minus seven. What do you think of this line move? Hosting the Steelers. So another fallen angel star coming back. So a good chance we're going to see two in this game, wouldn't you think? Yes, that's what, that seems to be the buzz. So we've got Pittsburgh that I know had a nice, really nice all-in effort against Tampa Bay. But Pittsburgh, I've got four and a half points worse than an average team. No one is going to question that Pittsburgh's more than a field goal worse than an average team. And we got Miami as a contending team, clearly an above-average team. And they're only laying six. It sure looks cheap here. For Miami, I would think that this line probably is going to, as soon as Tua gets reported in, it's going to go ahead and go up to seven. And, you know, if you looked into that Minnesota-Miami game, Miami got banged up in the secondary. I don't know the status of their guys. But despite that, they um, 13 of Minnesota's 15 possessions, but they went three and out. How is that possible that Minnesota scored 24 points? I still don't understand it. Um, so, so Miami's defense played very well. Skylar Thompson did not play well. He, um, oh, oh, my arm. Remember Rodney Dangerfield and <laughs> know, Caddyshack right? <laughs> when he hurt when he hurts his arm and they bring in the substitute. Well, that happened with Teddy Bridgewater comes in. Uh, Miami was in position to not just um, cover this game, but to win it outright. Down six late when they waddled away the game. Uh, completion to waddle. First down around the thirty. Struggling for yards. Trying to make the big play. Fumble. Then Dalvin Cook to the house and 
Katie, bar the door. Game's over. Um, I did have Miami in contest plus three and a half. I think I had the right side, actually. Uh, Miami's the sort of team I'd much rather be catching points than laying points with, though, I think. And just in general, boy, these games seem like they're, there's so many of them are close that um, I'm reluctant to ever be laying more than six points. But uh, my power ratings, like I said, make it seven. When I heard about Teddy Bridgewater being cleared but not being the starting quarterback, didn't make any sense. I'm like, is he going to play? There's got He's going to play, right? And I had no idea how he was going to end up being on the field, but it did not surprise me to see him there. Did you have the same feeling when you picked the Dolphins in the contest? It felt like he was only nominally the second-string quarterback. I didn't think they, there was a chance he would play. And the bottom line is, you know, they had an internal meeting after internal meeting, and it was just such a bad look to see – um, Tua, when he was injured with the neurological responses and the like, why they let him play. And I could see them saying, look, it, tell me when he's ready, and he'll play two weeks after he's ready. Right. And no sooner. We're going to be ultra cautious with what we do with them. And bottom line, I think that's what happened. I think that, And I think that that really should be the policy going forward. When in doubt, leave the player out. It's a long season. It's 17 games. If any one or two games matters that much, you probably weren't going to go deep in the playoffs anyways. So I think um, probably uh, Tua could have played a week or two ago, and uh, finally he's, I think he's be poised to come back. That's sound logic. I'm just, under, I'm just curious, why did you make fun of RJ? Uh, why did you call him all those names just a minute ago? Well, you know, it's not everyone can eat pistachios on a live broadcast the way that <laughs> RJ does, especially when I'm like, you know, in the midst of a fast on a day. So, you know, it can be a little difficult. I like how the conversation about fast foods was like a little extended last week <laughs> and the milkshakes. and. <laughs> yeah, I made sure to have a good dinner before I came in tonight. I was like, I'm not going through that again. And I'm back. A cameo book. This is like pigs on a wing. You know that? Eggs on a wing. Is mm-hmm. that a food? No, it's a Pink Floyd album. The album starts out with a little acoustic song about pigs on a wing. Okay. And then they have like 60 minutes of insanity. I mean, the crazy, this was probably the most extreme Pink Floyd album where it was just like they were, I think it was right after, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, dark side and wish you were here so it was like they were at the top of the world and they could do anything they wanted and they did because <laughs> this thing was crazy did but, the wall come out in 82 i think 80 81 if i recall but um i i tell you this the wall if you li- if you get a chance to ever see that in the theater i've seen the wall twice in the theater unbelievable I mean, it's so good. It kind of feels cheesy from a distance. Like, oh, you know, it was the end. No, yeah. no, great. Did you like the wall? I did. Yeah. Did you ever see it, Mackenzie? Never have. Well. Is that the one you have to listen to while watching Wizard of the Oz? Wizard of Oz? Wizard of the Oz. Um, no, that, that is actually Dark Side of the Moon. But if you actually watch that, uh, there's videos of it on YouTube. It's, it's pretty potent. It's pretty potent. So he, what I'll do is uh, share the lyrics because it's a very short song, and then we'll go to the last game fest. I have to get my contribution to this, you know. Okay, here it is. There's part one that starts, and it says, If you didn't care what happened to me, and I didn't care for you, we would zigzag our way through the boredom and pain, occasionally glancing, glancing up through the rain, wondering which of the buggers to blame and watching for pigs on a wing. Mm. 
Okay. Acoustic. I love it. Now, 60 minutes of craziness. Now, in this analogy, that was your line move talk. Mm. And now we come back. Same guitar line, acoustic. You know that I care what happens to you. So right there, it's changed. There was uncertainty, an hour of insanity, and now there's certainty. And I know that you care for me too. So I don't feel alone or the weight of the stone. Now that I've got somewhere safe to bury my bone, and any fool knows a dog needs a home and shelter from pigs on a wing. Let's continue, Fez. Monday night. Monday night, Chicago, New England. New England laying seven and a half. Summer timeline was six and a half on this game. Mackenzie, what was the look ahead on this one? Six and then closed. It was six. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, New England, yeah. So, uh, no movement during the look ahead period. Interesting. So, obviously, Chicago should have won Thursday night. They didn't. New England crushes. So, we got to upgrade New England. They're still so, uns- so what you would think is that the line would improve for New England. And it has. I mean, and it went from six, the world open at seven, and by Monday early it was seven and a half. Exactly. Now I'm not sure who's gonna quarterback for New England here. But I mean, if Zappi has proven himself to be a good game manager, and the theory is Mac Jones at a certain point of health is gonna be better than Zappi. To me, I think in Belichick we trust. I, I think so. And I want to ask your advice on this because I am already targeting this as my likely survivor pick this week. I like it. And I see this as a low-variance situation where I would be shocked if the Bears found a way. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they found a way to cover, but I'd be shocked if they found a way to win a close game against the genius here. If Chicago wins a close game against the genius, yeah, I agree. Um and it's Monday night. Belichick's feeling the momentum right now, you know, so meaning he's it's redemption. He's going to get to be in front of the world with the last two, um, you know, uh, results on the screen a bunch. I mean, it's also a good uh, uh, teaser. You I, think. I, I think so. And I think this is one where there's a case to be made for, hey, New England always starts slow. Belichick teams season, get better the in the season. Now they're improving. And so I could certainly see a case. And let's face it, we've already seen Chicago fall on their face in these primetime games. They uh, donked off their cover against Green Bay. Green Bay sucks. And Chicago couldn't cover you know, the plus 10 against Green Bay. And then we saw Chicago blow the game against Washington, even though they won the stats. That's two primetime games they've blown. So I could see support for New England. Maybe you tease the heck out of New England right now. There's seven halves out there, down to one half, six-point teaser, and then you figure out what to do with it. When I what, I what do I mean by that? I think this line maybe goes up to eight, eight and a half, even nine, and then you could take a little little bite of the apple on the Bears plus nine if you got a bunch of teasers coming in on New England minus one and a half. Okay, this is interesting. So this game is in New England. Yes. Huh. This seems. I can't believe that line was six. I mean, that look-ahead was short, wasn't it? I guess you only had the one game against Detroit where they were— re- But they, the thing is, early in the year, they played competitive with some good teams. It was hard to say New England. I mean, the Miami game, they sh- probably— I'm was kicking myself for not betting it yeah, last week. Yeah. I really, sometimes you miss, you know? It's you know, like, maybe I distracted you with the lyrics. Could be. Doubtful. You're blaming me? Yeah. I can't believe I did a cameo. I'm the one that— I can't believe I did a cameo on this show. 
We'll talk. I'm the one that talked all, uh, nothing about like about, I talk about restaurants and the rest of the the, the islands and I'm blaming you for the big Floyd. I mean, here's the thing, Fez. Just remember, a lot of holes in the desert. Talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>